Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education podcast. Um, this is the continuation of our feature of interviewing people that are on the National Council, just to give you a bit of an idea of the sorts of people involved in, and, and how they can support you in, in the work that they're doing um, as part of the Council. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Mike Aylin. Hi, Mike. Hi there, Mark. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. So why don't we start with a little bit of your professional background as a, as a primary educator? Yes, I've actually spent my entire life in primary education. Uh, that sounds a bit boring, actually, but uh, after 40-odd years, um, that's uh, I, I actually started off at uh, Goldsmiths College in London. I got trained there uh, when I was 18. Um, and then after, after I spent three years there, I'll come back to Goldsmiths later on when I'm talking about some of my experiences. I then... Uh, took my probationary year um, in the London Primary School, which was great fun because I knew the head very well before I started training. So that worked really well. Um, then I went to a junior school in Oxfordshire and uh, I was supported by my head teacher to do, uh, take a B.Ed. Uh, in those days because I just had a teacher, a three-year teacher certificate before uh, the course then converted at Goldsmiths to B.Ed and uh, which was in service I got a year's um, which was unusual but I still got it a year's financial support from Oxfordshire they were very generous I then moved to Kent as a scale three teacher in those days it was called scale three uh, I had a responsibility for maths and science in a very large primary school uh, then after that I went to Cambridgeshire appointed as a deputy head and this was an interesting school. It was a community primary school in the Fens, north of Cambridge, where I was deputy. And uh, after a few years, the head teacher of my school was appointed as senior advisor in Hampshire. Uh, again, an inspirational head. He was absolutely amazing. Uh, in fact, I'm still in contact with him over all these years. So as a result of that, I became acting head teacher. And then I went on to Bedfordshire, which is where I'm now where I was appointed head teacher of a lower school, which is four to nine-year-olds. And there I studied for an MA in educational management, the Open University part-time, which uh, took a few years to go and do, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed because it involved doing research around the local schools, which gave me a sort of insight into uh, the other schools and also got to know the head teachers and staff very well. Um, it, it really is invaluable, I think, isn't it? Having that amount of experience, both in different types of schools, but also um, in different areas of the country as well, because I guess that must make a difference in terms of the environment of the school based on the, the people and, and the social area that you're in. Yes, ab absolutely. Um, it, that's a good point. But also it's the, the mix of people which uh, can uh, you know make a school really, really go, in my idea, of the right direction of education and the enthusiasm, the, the motivation that goes with it uh, to really take those children on and make primary education so exciting. And it can be, even now. <laughs> That's great to hear because that's exactly what we're about in terms of, sort of those ideas of perceptions and positivity and, and how we can make a positive effect. And and I know your history with NAEP is, um, is long. Um, you're a new council member to me, having um, just yes. rejoined the National Council, but you've yes. been involved in it for a long time. So so yes. give us your sort of take on, on that history and, um, and in terms of what NAEP is for you and, and how you've been involved. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that in one second. I ain't quite finished yet, Mark. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you beat me to it. Um, so, I mean, after 15 years as a head teacher, 
And I'm sure primary school head teachers uh, get like this. You get not necessarily burnt out, but a bit tired of the same old thing, the same educational uh, so-called initiatives. So um, I took took myself a sabbatical, which was unpaid, but I'm thoroughly glad I did it. So I went to the University of Cambridge and studied for a master's in philosophy and educational research, which inspired me actually to leave the school and join the local university where I taught the BA and PGC course and then helped teachers as a supervisor to get their um, research dissertation in fulfillment for the MA in education. So, yes. I always seem to sort of go in and out. I used to have a 10-year plan of going in and out of further education um, to to gain perspective. And I think that's a message for all teachers in terms of gaining perspective. Keep those courses going. And if you can follow academic study at the same time, I thoroughly recommend it. I mean, while I was at university, I did research. uh, I I carried out some... Uh, research in uh, leadership, head teachers' uh, leadership styles, management of teaching assistants, and as well as Afro-Caribbean secondary school boys, which I was um, asked to do by the university. So all in that, all in all, that helped my perspective of what was going on and how people viewed education and how they could really motivate kids. Anyway, I'm now going on to your question. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, had to get it off my chest. Anyway, I, I, so I, yes, you're quite right. I've been associated with NAEP for many years. I first started off in Cambridgeshire, although it originally started in Oxfordshire. I, I met an old friend there who I knew uh, from uh, from Cambridgeshire days, and she was uh, head teacher of a school down in Luton, and. Uh, she was lovely, and she was a member of NAEP, so she persuaded me to join. Um, I then became um, a Eastern Region Coordinator for NAEP. Eventually, I became National Treasurer, Local Festival of Voices Organiser for Bedfordshire, and then uh, editor of a, a very slim NAEP magazine in those days, which I, I, I put together myself, which was great fun. But I must really highlight now, before I go on, that uh, Nate produces the most amazing high-quality glossy magazine called Primary First for its memberships, which contains articles from primary school teachers for primary school teachers. You can see uh, an example on the Nate website, and it's well worth having a look at that. It, it's quite extraordinary how we moved on and flourished uh, with, with that flagship um, publication. I sort of came back to the national committee as mark has said and i'm you know i'm proud to report that nape has been involved in all sorts of research projects and various uh, flagship uh, events uh, which nape actually has led and it's it's amazing to say say this one of the long running and i state this uh, long running events is the festival of voices which was uh, started in 1980, believe it or not. So work that one out, 39 years ago, uh, by Oxfordshire Nate. And believe it or not, that is still running. And Mark, I think you've been to see one, haven't you? I did, yes. I went um, last summer and it was, a, it was a fantastic event. And it was in Dorchester Abbey. Um, and it's a beautiful setting. And it's one of those things where... 
you can sort of see all the children, despite there being you know, several schools um, for each concert. And there's now uh, a whole week's festival, which is amazing. And um, just a, an abbey full of parents and grandparents and friends all watching on. Um, and you can hear every word. The singing was beautiful. They were well rehearsed. They were well prepped. Um, yeah, and it was just a really delightful evening. Excellent. Good, good, good. So I don't need to really talk about that then. <laughs> Uh, but for those who are interested uh, listening to this, um, teachers, uh, if you apply, uh, receive a uh, teacher's uh, book, uh, music notation for the piano, whatever, keyboard, uh, lyrics, of course, for the children, and uh, and also a demonstration CD, sung by choir, so uh, the school can get to know, the, the person running the choir at the primary school gets to know with the children, what it sounds like. And you don't have to be a musician. Is that right, Mark? Absolutely. I think there's so much support there now. And I think that those schools that want to get involved, I think there'll be a certain amount of music going on. And I think with all those resources available, it's a, it's a fairly straightforward and a well-organised um, preparation for, for the day itself. That's right. So over the years, the Festival of Voices has not been confined to Oxfordshire. It's been over in Wembley, the early ones were actually in the Albert Hall, believe it or not. Um, Wembley, it was televised once. Uh, and there's loads of details about the Festival of Voices and its history, uh, which John Coe has put in there, one of our uh, very, uh, uh, well, one of our senior committee members, uh, details about the history of Festival of Voices, which is really interesting reading. Now, Mark, I don't know if we need to mention it now, but we are actually planning to do something special ourselves, aren't we? We are indeed. We had a, a very exciting meeting just a week or so ago with um, the people at Out of the Ark, who many of you will know um, from your primary school music, um, have some fantastic resources, all the way ranging from um, nativities through to assemblies and um, and themed um, curriculum things, which is which is amazing. And so we were trying to work out a way to sort of tie in some of our relationships and to actually be able to make the Festival of Voices um, not, as we said, not just in Oxfordshire, but to be able to extend it around the country for people who are interested in doing it. Um, and we thought this might be an interesting way to get going. As you say, it's still in early days. Um, mm. We're still sort of working through exactly how that's going to be, but it seems like a very exciting launch pad. Yes, absolutely. Now, I'm going to move on now uh, to mention two um, areas where Nate got uh, very much involved one was at a political level, and one was um, sadly a, a, a terrific, uh, a very sad tragedy which happened uh, back in 1996. Firstly, a delegation from NAEP went to see David Blunkett, who in those days was the shadow education minister. Do you remember David? I uh, do, yes. Uh, and so we, we, we arranged to meet him uh, in his room at Parliament and discuss various concerns NAEP had about uh, the direction uh, primary education was uh, going. One of the issues we brought up was the very large classes of children at Key Stage 1. And what we suggested to uh, David to, to take on board and think about was that we urged him to consider telling schools to reduce the number of children in Key Stage 1 class to no more than 30. And, as we would say, that's now history, although sometimes we do read in the, the, the press that, that it, uh, there are more than 30 in a, a key stage one class. But we hope that we have some 
impact on political thinking at that time when we, we discussed it. Because, of course, then David Blunkett, uh, when Labour took power, David Blunkett then did become the education minister. The other item uh, I, I need to talk about is the tragedy of the Dunblane Primary School massacre back in 1996, when 16 primary school children and one teacher was killed. Uh, at the time, we put out an appeal uh, in terms of thinking how we could use money to best support the families or the, the parents of those victims. It actually attracted many thousands of pounds. I know I was treasurer at the time. So what we did, what did we do? Well, we commissioned when we spoke to the parents and they agreed with or they said to us, well, we've got a lot going on at Dunblane. It's a small uh, small town in Scotland, um, but we would still like uh, this to, we still need something to uh, commemorate our children's lives and for people not to forget what happened. So after a great deal of thought, we commissioned a well-known sculptor of wood uh, called Walter Bailey. He designed and created an amazing wooden sculpture and it's called the flame of dumblane and there's a there should be a picture being shown up in the blog at some point there's several pictures about the flame of dumblane and you can view this sculpture it's still there in the national forest north of birmingham now this sculpture was actually carved directly from a yew tree from the, with the root intact which is unusual and it's a sight to behold, believe you me, as you can see in the photograph. The focus of the sculpture is symbolic. It's on a five-layered flame representing the average age of the children killed in their Dunplane Primary School. There's a lattice of 17 rays, 17 victims, radiating from the centre of, of the, the flames. The rooted flame focused on the celebration of the lives of the victims before their loss. So, in consultation with the parents, we had a ceremony at the National Forest. Again, there's a photograph which will come up, and a few dignitaries, uh, one political and uh, one from the church to the National Forest, where the sculpture was placed and is still standing. So, that, I mean, we've been involved in one way or another in all sorts of supporting structures in the past. But anyway, I need to go on, Mark, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I just, I was just going to say at that point, it's just, it's really good to sort of hear all of these stories because, um, as people listening who may not be members of NAPE, you can start yeah. to really get an understanding of of why joining is is supportive for. The, the nation it's a national association you know because there are lots mm -hmm. of things that we do lots of things that we're involved in um yes. that actually are supporting children and families throughout the country and and just the, the small membership fee to be involved actually yes. has such a big impact well i th i think the fee is worth mentioning and i'll come on to the details of, the, of joining nape in a little while but in actual fact nape is run by volunteers except for one paid secretary yes our expenses are paid so we can get from A to B to meet various people. But apart from that, we're volunteers, but we have a passion for primary education. And if you look at the website, which we're currently upgrading, is that right, Mark? It is, absolutely. We're, we're, we're in, right in the middle of a, of a major overhaul to, uh, to get yeah. it um, running as efficiently as we can. Excellent. Um, I, th I think on that point, I just want to sort of go down some of our core values of understanding. 
uh, if you if you can stand it for a minute. <laughs> Please do. Our aim is to uh, achieve a, a high priority for education of children from birth to 13. And sometimes we feel that isn't always the case. We believe that primary school should be centred upon the characteristics of childhood. The children are not miniature adults, not like in the Victorian times where they may have seen that. I don't know, but sometimes it seems like it, the books I've read. We believe that teachers who specialise in the education of young of the young should be trusted to use their judgment in matching learning to the individual needs and responses of the children. We have an underlying primary pedagogy in the, in the fact that the knowledge that young children uh, can acquire is learned best through their own fully sensory experience. And of course, the younger they are, the, the more that is so. We believe that life skills are best learned in action as they are needed in life, because otherwise they become redundant and forget to, to use them. We all know that. We believe it is the fulfillment of every child's potential to learn, not only cognitively, but physically, emotionally, creatively, with the core skills embedded in the reality of the time of life called childhood. So our whole focus is on childhood. We celebrate childhood. We treat childhood in that way, sacrosanct, and is core to our, our understandings. It is not a preparation for secondary education, for qualifications. It is to, to nurture and motivate children to learn within a carefully planned and progressive creative curriculum, starting with their experience of life and their surroundings. Sorry, it sounds political, it sounds jargonized, but it has to be said. It does, but I think it maybe it sounds more political now, just because we're in a in an environment of 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 testing and and mm. the fact that those values actually do somewhat rub up against um, maybe what some people believe education is actually doing at the moment. So therefore, mm. I guess that work is even more important. Yes, and that's why it has to be stated time and time again uh, to whoever is listening to us, you know, at whatever level or political or um, in, in the local environment of the schools. Now, you may wonder by now, what made me a member of NAEP? Well, you know, I believe that NAEP, we all hope at NAEP that you believe this as well, is the only voice which can speak out against the poverty of the political view that children's education cannot be summed up as a batch of figures based on the so-called core curriculum to be interrogated. We don't believe in that at all. We believe it's a lot wider than that. Yes, we do need to understand where the, ch the child is uh, in his or her learning. But at the same time, figures don't do the entire job. We believe that primary education has much more to offer. And some schools do this. They do a fantastic job. And they provide that inspirational step change. We're changing lives, aren't we, to children aged um, 3 to 13. And so NAEP, what does NAEP do? Continues tirelessly to resist the narrowing of the curriculum at the apparent cost to the arts. So yes, we're, we're encouraged to some degree about Ofsted's recent statements on the importance of the curriculum, hooray, but we believe that perhaps it just hasn't gone far enough yet. And why did I become a primary school teacher over these years? Well, I'll take a breath here, Mark, but I was inspired by a teacher when I was 10. This was pre-national curriculum, you'll be glad to hear. I'm quite old, really. 
and he devised a bird project of several, which took several months to do. It took us out to the environment uh, around the school to identify and understand birds. Birds. We learned how they survived and how they evolved. Although not fashionable nowadays, my class then built a large bird cage. We kept tame birds in this school, you know, budgies and finches. It was wonderful, and I learned so much just around birds. So you can get your maths, your poetry, your English. We did it all, and it was wonderful. And I was so inspired, and, you know, all these years later, I remember it. I need to then sort of mention to everybody how important our teacher training courses, whether that university or attached to the schools, is. Because certainly in my day, they were absolutely inspirational. Um, from we studied a wildlife area, it became a project, we did a display, I worked with a student, uh, we did the same with the Greenwich Foot Tunnel, we did the historic elements of that, and yes, we got A's, which was great, but we learned so much about the history, the biology, even the chemistry and the physics of it all. So out of that, I was inspired. So the universities and the schools have got a tremendous part to play in inspiring our future teachers. And certainly as a teacher myself, when I went on to become a teacher myself, I was as inspired as the, te uh, as the children. We did a healthy food project um, called Healthy Eating. And we actually did surveys on what children ate in their school dinners. And we concocted a uh, BBC in those days computer database. And we looked at the facts and the figures. We saw the patterns and the facts. And we got a lot of work out of it. And it was absolutely amazing. So I'm hoping that as you listen, you will remember your primary years and can perhaps remember one activity that inspired yourself to learn. And why don't you share it with us? Why don't you go contact Mark? and uh, get, get on the blog and talk about what inspired you those years ago. My final paragraph was to say, well, we hope you can, your school can uh, join us. Membership costs are on the website, but at the moment, uh, if you're a student in training, it's free. If you're a newly qualified teacher, oh, that's good news, 15 pounds, uh, as an individual or associate membership, does go up to 30 pounds. If you're retired or unwaged, it's 20. A school can join, uh, which is great. School membership, which is 75 pounds. Small schools, 40 pounds. Large schools or universities, 55 pounds. So it's not a ridiculous amount of money. And what do you get? Well, you get a magazine, obviously, two or three times a year, and you're kept informed through uh, emails about what we're doing and how you can help. So yes, we're, we're always really keen to, to hear what people are doing in schools and sharing all the, the inspiring things that are happening. And the best way of doing that at the moment is if you go to educationonfire.com and in the search bar, if you put Mike Aylen, then the show notes for this particular episode will come up. Um, and on there, we'll have all the pictures that he was talking about and, and alluding to. Um, and at the bottom of all of that, there is, um, there's, a, there's a comments box and you can actually just um, write to us there and just tell us all those things. And we'd be really keen to actually share 
um, a lot of these things on the thing. As I mentioned in the episode last week, you know, we're really keen just to to share what's happening, just so that we all feel that we, we know great things are happening. But just to be able to have a, a snippet of that in each episode, I think would be a really great thing for us to be involved in. It's not like YouTube where you get thumbs up or thumbs down, is it? With the no. comments. No, no, <laughs> well, that's, that's a good job, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Well, thanks, Mark. That was great fun. Good. And um, um, thanks very much for chatting to us. It's really great to uh, to hear hear everyone's insights and especially with someone like yourself with so much experience both in terms of the profession but also in, over NAPE for a number of years it's fantastic to hear thanks a lot anyway lovely speak to you soon yeah bye-bye now